Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Welcome to the weekly call. And um, Okay, so today's topic is about investing in real estate outside your local area. This is an interesting one because um, I did this very early in my investing uh, career. Uh, I, I wasn't really looking to do it as one of those things that kind of fell in my lap. Um, I probably did half of it wrong. <laughs> it worked out really well. I was lucky, knock on wood. But you know, going back, you know, if I would go back in time and teach myself, this is some of the things that we would have a discussion about with ourselves uh, to make sure that you're going to do it right and make it profitable. Uh, first, let's talk about the, the you know the upside and downsides to investing outside of your local area. Uh, you know, one of them is affordability. Uh, San Francisco versus San Antonio. Although San Antonio isn't that cheap anymore, but it's still one fifth the price of San Francisco. Um, you, you can't you can't buy a house on a credit card in San Francisco. You know. Um, in some places of the country, you still can. Or if you have some cash, you can buy things cash, refinance them, or you know, it's just a matter of uh, the price. The 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 entry price is so high. Uh, sometimes it makes it difficult if you don't have a lot of cash, access to a loan, and so forth. Uh, the good news is you make a lot more profit on less deals. But the bad side is, you know, if you want to get a portfolio portfolio of rentals, it's going to be tough when the prices are that high. Uh, Second, it helps diversify your portfolio because real estate is local. You know, what's going on in one market may not be the same that's going on in another market. It also may allow you to do different investment options that maybe just don't work well in your market. So, for example, in, uh, a, uh, in Denver is a very hot, hot market, very seller market. Uh, fix and flips work really, really well because stuff sells in minutes. Uh, the bad news is it's very hard to find a decent deal that uh, has enough equity in it uh, to allow the numbers uh, to make a decent profit. Uh, whereas if you went to, let's say, uh, uh, Indianapolis, maybe, a uh, decent neighborhood or something, you know, it's not really that hot of a market there. It's good, but it's not near Denver. Um, you could do a fix and flip and then make a reasonable profit. Um, but, uh, of course, you're going to have to deal with the fact that it's long distance. Um, your current market may be ahead or behind the market in your local area. And when I say outside of your local area, you know, we're not just talking about out of state. It could be uh, just two hours away, another city in your state or something like that. And, it, and in that sense, it may, if it's more than a, you know, a two or three hour drive, it may as well be across the world. Because we all know that, you know, if you say, well, I'm going to buy a rental and uh, let's see, you live in Fort Collins, Colorado, and you get a rental in Colorado Springs, which is about a two-hour drive. You know, I'm going to drive by it once a month and check in on it. No, you're not. <laughs> you're just not going to do that. Uh, you'll probably do it once, and then as long as the rent checks come in, everything's fine. So it may as well be in another in another uh, state. So uh, some people like to kick the tires. You know, let's be honest. They like to be close to it. But I'll be I'll be frank with you. Uh, most of my properties are within a half-hour drive of me. 
but I don't kick the tires out often because I have a property manager. If you if you manage your own properties, that's different. But I have a property manager, and, and, and once a year or so, they go through an inspection. They take pictures. They give you a whole report of what what is urgent, what is uh, medium urgent, and what can wait, and and uh, pictures of uh, of the things that are urgent and and a full written report. I mean, why should I drive by and look at the properties unless I happen to be in the area? Okay, so. Um, it's also timing-wise, if you're looking to do a buy and uh, hold for a couple of years and ride a wave, um, some areas may have peaked. It's hard to say right now in our market if it's not going to continue going up. It may not just go up at the same pace because uh, the lack of inventory is still probably going to go up. But if you went to a, uh, an area maybe either that's up and coming or just hasn't recovered from the last bust yet uh, as much as some of the other cities have, um, you can take advantage of the uh, timing of the market. Uh, property taxes, that's a big issue. Uh, where I came in from in New York, uh, property taxes were insane, insane uh, on Long Island. You would pay on a $300,000 house, you could pay $15,000 a year in property tax. That's, it's unbelievable. And the, the rental numbers don't work with that. Um, so, um, and uh, same thing in Texas. Texas properties are cheap, but they have very high property taxes because they don't have state income tax. Um, so, you know, it could it could be better or worse. Insurance, for example. Uh, insurance in uh, a place like Florida is ridiculously high because of, you know, the constant hurricanes. Whereas... Uh, you know, in Colorado, we will we'll, we'll get is hailstorms. We don't get, you know, we don't get too many major disasters here, so our insurance is relatively cheap. Um, you also could possibly get a better return on investment in other areas, you know, depending on what your business model is. So if you're looking to get rentals um, and good cash flow. Um, you could go to let's those you're in Colorado, for example, could go down to Pueblo, which is you know those you don't know is south, uh, southwestish of Colorado Springs. You know, kind of a small town, uh, old houses, uh, um, low rents, great cash flow, but you're not going to get any real appreciation in a town like that. Um, as opposed to going into uh, a neighborhood where or a city where you you barely breaking even on the cash flow, but over over a 10 or 20 year period, you're really going to do good on appreciation. It depends what your goals are. All right. So, so that's the upside. Let's talk about some of the downsides. Um, the, the first and most obvious one is the unfamiliarity with the outside market and the players in that market. So if you don't know a property manager, you don't know um, a handyman that can fix things or a plumber or uh, you know, um, someone to show the property, a broker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's going to be difficult, especially uh, if you're going to do a fix and flip. I, I think rentals are easier out of state. A, a fix and flip, you need a partner on the ground uh, that you can trust, that knows the lay of the land and so forth, um, which has its risks because if you're not there with your eyeballs on, you don't know if they're either screwing up or screwing you. Um, so that, that's you know the big downside. Also, lack of knowledge on the local rules and regulations and customs, which you can learn, of course. Um, and I would say generally, um, if you're not planning on buying several properties 
in the same area, it's probably not worth your time to learn all those rules, uh, you know, regulations, codes, and customs just to buy one eighty thousand dollar house. It's probably not worth the effort. Um, the exception might be if your parents, you grew up in that town, and your parents still live there or something like that, or friends still live there. You know, that, that could be an option. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people uh, do investing where they grew up. They don't live there anymore, but they know it like the back of their hand, uh, and they have friends or relatives that can look out for you. And that's an ideal scenario, by the way, if you have something like that. Um, so um, you got to know the laws. you got to know what, what the rules are about landlord-tenants, about uh, security deposits, and, you know, raising rents and no and so on and so forth. Um, you know, the, the the obvious downside is the distance to the properties. Uh, some people feel like they need to be tire kickers. If that's your personality, you're not going to like this too much. Or maybe you could just learn to get over it because, you know, you don't need to see it and touch it. It's funny. I was watching on TV an, uh, a, an advertisement for silver. You know, they're pushing silver as the new and big investment. And... Uh, they're pushing people, you could do it in your IRA, which you can. Uh, and uh, the guy sit, holds up a coin and he says, if you can't touch it, is it really real? <laughs> I, I had to chuckle because, you know, if you've never seen a property, and by the way, the properties I bought earlier in my career, uh, they were in Florida, I had never seen for like the first two years I owned them. And the numbers were great, and I was getting reports and checks and numbers. And everything was great until I visited them. I figured, ah, I'm already down there. Let me go visit my properties. And I had a heart attack. These were D neighborhoods. This was like worst. I was like, I'm a slumlord. Oh, my God. Uh, I had nightmares about it. And I shouldn't have done that because you got to be unemotional. Just look at the facts and not your emotion about it. So, you know, the idea that you have to kick the tires all the time, um, you know, may or may not be something that you would cling to. Um, and then the other downside could be things like, you know, income taxes being higher uh, in that state or property taxes, um, uh, things like franchise and entity fees, like California, for example. Each LLC is subject to an $800 minimum franchise tax per entity per year. That's minimum. So if you have, you know, rent or hire there, so if you have like an apartment building there and you grossed, you know, $5 million a year and, and had no net, had a break-even or even a loss, you're, you're paying thousands of dollars a year in franchise tax because they base it on gross, which is ridiculous. But that's California. they got to pay for all those people who there you know, weren't working. But uh, <laughs> so those are some of the pros and cons. If you're going to make the leap, uh, the first thing you need to do is have a good team. Um, so, again, this isn't probably worth it unless you plan on doing several deals, multiple rentals, et cetera, or maybe one big commercial project. Okay? So, um, let's say. Let's say, for example... Um, 
you're going to look for the local realtor. That's going to be an obvious one, or two or three, uh, to help scout deals, to bounce ideas off of about neighborhoods and local information. You know, realtors can give you more than just, you know, the, the comms. They can give you the, the inside knowledge that you don't know about. You know, you can look at a neighborhood, come from the outside and look at it and go, wow, this is a great neighborhood. And then they, they all laugh when you tell them that because they go, oh, no, you don't want to go in that neighborhood because blah, blah, blah. Or this is happening or that's happening or you know, there was a bunch of murders or there's, there's, there's gangs. And, you know, so don't always trust your eyes. Talk to the locals. Um, a contractor or two, obviously, uh, whether it be a, a, a rental or a fix and flip. I would say if you're going to do a fix and flip and you don't have someone on the ground you trust to supervise, I would stay away from that in another town. Um, if you're going to hire a contractor, you know, to do a, a rehab in a city, you know, halfway across the country, and you don't have anyone to look over it, uh, you're going to get burnt, more than likely. So, um, if it's a neighborhood you grew up in, your cousin could go check in on it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's worth doing. Uh, or you just have a partner you met. You met someone, and they say, "Listen, you know, I need money, and uh, I can handle the rehab, and we can partner." You know, that's that's a viable option. Um, probably a, an appraiser or someone who could uh, give you values, a property inspector, a local attorney who's familiar with the rules. Definitely, if you're going to do rentals, a property manager. And I'd say property manager is probably the most important thing if you're uh, managing rentals from afar. And I would interview probably three to five of them because they're all going to give you different you know, inside sort of information about the neighborhood, what the types of problems you have in that neighborhood, what's going on, what's coming up, what's going out, and so forth. For example, I looked at a uh, commercial um, uh, apartment building in Texas, and it was a pretty crappy property, but it was it was right next to a really good neighborhood. Um, it was sort of like the eyesore of the area. Um, and what I found out was, for inside knowledge, talking to a property manager, that across the street, which was a different city, you know, the city line was it was within one city, and then across the street was another city. Uh, in the in the other city, they were going to rezone by eminent domain six apartment buildings out of business. So you have six competitors within I think it was three to four years that would be completely out of business. So that means the rents on your place are going to double, you know, probably because there's no competition. Uh, that's the kind of inside knowledge you want to find out. Um, local bank, local commercial banks or hard money resources, uh, local insurance broker. Um, you know, insurance is licensed by state, so the person that you deal with in your own state probably can't do that unless you're going in the same state. Um, and maybe a partner, just a partner in your business that you, uh, you know, go to, if you're going out of town, uh, fly out, go to the local real estate investors association meeting once or twice, meet some people, ask some questions, get a recommendation, and maybe, you know, you find yourself partner. Okay, so that you know that's the um, the team that you're going to have to put together, and it's going to take you a little bit of time, but it'll be worth it in the long run if you decide to invest in that area. Um, yeah, other than that, you have to you know obviously research the area, which would include the local laws and customs, 
uh, the state of the local market, whether it be rental or resale. You know how things. What's the average time on market for resale? What's the average time it takes to rent a property? Um, how entities are treated and taxed. We talked about that a little little earlier. Like the state like California charges high, where a state like Colorado it's very cheap. Um, the local. Uh, and state income and property taxes is going to be very relevant. Uh, you may have to just not only pay high state tax, but there might be a local tax on rentals, uh, a county level, municipal level, or whatever. Um, this is one you really got to look for. Uh, local rental registrations and inspections. Uh, a lot of cities are doing this now. They're having you have to you have to register your rental with the city, an annual inspection, and all kinds of other anti landlord policies. And uh, I was in Ohio speaking to a group there. Uh, I think it was Toledo, and the city required all of those things, and they were making landlords remove all the asbestos from the houses. Uh, that's insane. I mean, that, that could cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. But you know, of course, uh, for 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 removing it, you have to get a permit, <laughs> and cities get money on permits. And if it's a real small city, they may say, "Well, you can only use a licensed guy to do it." And it just so happens the licensed guy is the you know the brother-in-law of the city code enforcement. You know, uh, I see that before. So uh, make sure you know these little things. Um, and, and there is, especially in smaller towns, a, a sort of good old boy network, especially in the South. Found that out the hard way uh, in one one particular investment. And, uh, you know, everybody kind of knew everybody. And, you know, the, the competition was calling code enforcement and making complaints on, on us. Uh, that was you know, very difficult to deal with because we were the outsider. They were the insider. Um you should obviously you're going to learn the ARVs of the neighborhoods that you're going to invest in, uh, vacancy rates, etc. Um, and then just the local factors. What is going to make your property a stable or improving investment? And that's going to be jobs. What's the employment base? What's the business? Is it diverse? Uh, is it a college town, for example? College towns are great because um, if the local rental market is, is driven by the college. Uh, can you remember the last time a college closed? <laughs> I can't. I can't remember the last time a major college closed. So it's always going to be there. Um, and so, uh, but if you go into a town where you know there's one big uh, chicken plucking factory, or uh, you know one uh, company that that does uh, propane uh, or natural gas, um, you know something like that could close up and dry up the whole town, and all your tenants are buyers. So be careful about those things in the smaller towns. Make sure if you're going to invest in a smaller town, you know that they have a diverse enough industry that's not going away. Um, you're going to interview several potential team members, and I would say at least three potential uh, potentials for each position. So each property manager interview at least three realtors, at least three property managers, at least three attorneys, and so on and so forth. And then finally, you know, just just do do the math. Does it make sense uh, over the long term if that's your goal? So if your goal is cash flow now, I don't care what happens. I'm 
66 years old and all I want is cash flow, then you go for the cash flow. If you're 45 years old and you say, look, I need some cash flow now, but I want a future appreciation for my retirement, that may affect your decision of where to invest and how to invest. And just as a final note, um, one of the biggest mistakes that investors make is they get into a comfort zone and assume that no news is good news from their, you know, out of state or out of area team. Um, don't assume that. It is your responsibility to keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on in that area. Make sure your team communicates uh, often. Uh, accurately and in a way that you can get what you need. You know, no news is not necessarily good news. Uh, and and you, anybody who has had tenants know this. You know, a lot of people think, well, if I don't hear from my tenant, that's great. Well, some tenants will sit there and not say a word because they don't want to rock the boat about a leaking roof or a brokenness or a, or a crack that that's getting worse and worse and worse, and they're not telling you about it until they move out. You go, oh, my God, why didn't they tell me about this? So same thing with your you know, your, your players there uh, in the town where you're investing. You, you don't assume no news is good news. You want reports regularly. You want to uh, know what's going on. My property manager um, emails me, you know, this we just rented for that much or this person we just took in or what do you think do you agree and that's good i like that kind of feedback um you know it's, it's several times a week um which is quite an annoyance but it's, it's a to do uh but i'd rather that than not hear anything because i i I don't want to assume that no news is good news. Uh, and make sure that uh, you keep an eye on the numbers uh, as they come in. You know, don't assume because they said, well, this needed a new hot water heater and this needed a new roof. And, you know, question it. You know, why did it need it? Uh, one of the things that I have in my property management agreement with my manager is anything more than $200 expense, unless it's an emergency, uh, I want to see three bids, three separate bids in writing. Uh, and when I look at the bid and I don't like it, I say, get another one. This this doesn't make sense to me. Or I question, why do we really need to do this? You know, and the tenant says, well, uh, there's no screens on the windows. Yeah, does the law require it? No. Were there no screens when they signed the lease? Yes. Well, then I'm not paying for new screens. You know, things like that. So uh, some property managers like to accommodate tenants so they don't complain and they don't care if you as a landlord will spend the money. So don't assume because they said, well, you know, all these repairs had to be done that they really needed to be done. It's a question whether they need to be done. Uh, who's doing it? Is it the guy's brother-in-law? Uh, and can we put this off or whatever? Is it a health and safety code? Is it required by law in that area and so forth? So question those things. Okay. Um, yeah, that that wraps it up uh, pretty much for my comments about investing outside of your local area. I think you can definitely make some good money, uh, diversify your portfolio, and create a lot of good opportunities for yourself by looking in areas other than your backyard. Thank you for listening to Bill Bonchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.